Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you're faithful, it's faithful. It's always faithful. What a beautiful truth to know here tonight. Everyone can know it. Everyone. Everyone can know that you are faithful for them. Thank you, God. And we just look to you and your word now to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, wow, good to be here tonight. And uh, awesome stories. Hey, awesome stories. And I just got a sense, you know, even as we were singing that song after those stories, that uh, God wants... Uh, to pour out His Spirit tonight upon us as His people. And so at the end, you know, I'm not going to talk long tonight, but at the end, there's just going to be an opportunity for you to do that, to come down the front and just to receive the power of God afresh on your life. Um, I wonder whether you've had a a what now moment in your life before. Uh, My wife and I recently purchased our first um, apartment and it's a 1976 apartment. It's a really old apartment and we bought it and it was quite run down, but we sort of bought it anyway. And uh, we got it, we got the keys and we got in there um, and we were always sort of thinking that we were going to renovate it. That was the plan the whole way through. And then uh, we sort of got the keys and we get in there and we have our first meal. You know how you do the thing without furniture, you, you get the food and you're sitting on the floor. If you haven't done this before, you will do it when you, when you buy your first home. You're sitting on the floor eating this food and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what now? How do I do this? I mean, I'm not practical. I say this all the time from the front. I, I have zero practical skills, something. How on earth am I going to renovate this? I wonder if you've had a what now moment in your life uh, before. I think, I really think, sometimes we think this when it comes to Christianity. We put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to forgive our sins, to redeem us, and then we go, what now? What now? We see these guys go back through the waters of baptism tonight as, as a symbol of their, their entrance, I suppose, into this new life, a, a physical symbol of what's already happened in their heart. And maybe the question we ask is, what now? What do I have to do now? Am I just waiting around until I die or until Jesus comes back again? Is this, what, what's, what's now? I think this is a question we, we wrestle with a lot uh, for those who are Christians. And if you're not here a Christian, uh, if you're not a Christian here tonight, you've never made that sort of decision. Um, I just wanna encourage you to listen tonight what it looks like uh, after you have made that decision, what it looks like to live as a Christian. We're in this series, Galatians 3, and uh, sorry, Galatians, we're in Galatians 3 tonight, and uh, we're just going to read just a couple of passages. It's going to come up on the screen as well, I think, and uh, we're going to get into this. Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being completed by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the Spirit and work miracles or uh, do powerful works in you, do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? This is God's word to us uh, tonight. First thing I want to just point out is that Paul takes no queries. He has no problems with the fact that the Galatians recognize there is still something to be done in them, even once they have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. This is not his problem with with what they were doing. There is a sense 
that there is still something to be done in us even after initially putting our faith in Christ. This is really important to understand and I wanna put it like this. God reconciles us to himself so that he can change our hearts. God reconciled us to himself so that he can change, change our hearts. Before Christ, our hearts are sinful. We live in ignorance to God, which brings a harvest of death in our lives. And because God loves us, he wants to change that. He wanted to change that. This is why we read in Ezekiel 36, 26, the prophecy of what he was going to do through Christ. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is why 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. God reconciled us to himself so that he can change our hearts. He could not do anything about the problem of our evil hearts until we were in relationship with him. I just want to illustrate this a little bit. There's a photo that's going to come up on the screen of a man called Dr. Pen Yinhao. Dr. Pen uh, practiced in a hospital in Wuhan, China, which is the epicenter of the outbreak of coronavirus. The difficult thing about the coronavirus, as I'm sure you guys are all aware, um, is that the deadly nature of this infection restricts the ability for those infected with it to receive medical treatment to be healed. For doctors to give patients treatment, they expose themselves to the deadly virus. The very nature of the problem of coronavirus keeps them from receiving the help that they need. At only 29 years of age, Dr. Peng delayed his wedding when coronavirus started to break in China in order to begin treating patients and only a few days ago, this week, in fact, after contracting coronavirus and battling it for two weeks, he actually passed away. This uh, gives you an illustration of what the gospel is, the good news. The nature of sin, the nature of the problem of sin in our hearts is that it kept us from God. And he was the only one who could remedy the problem of our sinful hearts. And so for diseased sinners to get access and help from God, there was a cost. This is what Christ took upon himself. He never sinned, but he bore the consequences of the disease of sin, death. Christ reconciled us to God through his death so that we might come and be in relationship with God and receive the Holy Spirit God's presence in our lives so that our sinful hearts might be healed. I want to be clear as we've been speaking over the last couple of weeks, God accepts us in spite of our old heart. At the, the moment of our worst brokenness, God loved us. Christ died on the cross while we were enemies to him, but he does that in order to bring us into a process of our hearts being changed. God reconciled us to himself, Romans 5 says, in order that through that we might have life. Our hearts might be changed. Paul is not upset with the Galatians for this desire. In fact, he affirms it right throughout the New Testament. We read that Paul says, um, this is the whole purpose of why Christ died, was to bring us to God so that we might be healed. 
from the inside. The reason why he is upset with the Galatians is because they were being led astray about how this change would take place, the means for it. He says, you started with the Spirit, but now you are turning to the flesh. We're going to explore those those two words if they're new to you, if you're new to church here tonight. But I want to say this, the only way we can do God's will The God treatment for our sinful heart, the way that our hearts is healed is through His Spirit in us. This is the means that He has ordained for us to be healed. This was the purpose for Christ's work on the cross was to bring us to God in order for us to receive His Spirit and therefore receive a new heart one which lived in accordance with the will of God. But the Galatians, under pressure for the Jews, were going it themselves. They were relying on their own resources. This is what the word flesh means. I think we've got a definition on the screen, unaided human effort, taking things into our own hands without reference to the help of God. Imagine for a second that terribly you contract the coronavirus and there's a a hospital established around Brisbane somewhere where there's the appropriate facilities for you to go and receive treatment. Imagine you rocking up to that hospital and then deciding to say to the the staff who are treating you, the medical practitioners, imagine saying to them, actually, I think I'm just going to sort myself out now that I'm here. I, I think I'll just sort of work this out myself. I think I can get better just with my own understanding, my own resources you would say someone like that was foolish, wouldn't you? This is what Paul says, you foolish Galatians. Like that's obscene. No one would ever do that. He says, if this is your approach to changing your heart, Christ is of no value. He may as well not have died. Christ died so that you could receive his power within us, his spirit. The only way we can be healed, Paul says, is by the power of the Spirit in us. This is the power that we need to live a holy and a righteous life. As God is holy, he says, so be holy to his people. So what is our part in this? You know, we we thought at the start, what's the what now? Do, Do we have anything to do here? It is God's power, Paul's making the point. So, so what is our role? Do we have any role? Paul says, verse five, so then, does he who provide you with the spirit, in other words, the, the ability to have your heart healed and changed and do works of power in you, in other words, actually change your heart, does he do that because you do works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul says to the Galatians and, he, and, and God says to us tonight as his people, As you started, so continue by faith. In Romans, in Ephesians, right throughout Scripture, James, it says the righteous will live by faith. The flesh and the law belong together. I think this is going to come up on the screen. And spirit and faith belong together. This is the contrast that Paul is drawing God's work of change in our lives come when we confidently rely upon Him to do it. 
If you have a sinful heart here tonight, if you have an evil heart here tonight, one that is bringing destruction and suffering to your life because of that, God is the only one who can change your heart. The only one. This is the means that he has ordained. And faith is confident reliance. This is the definition that's gonna come up on the screen. Faith is action in reliance upon a power other than ourselves. Faith is action in reliance upon a power other than ourselves. I just wanna illustrate this um, quickly to you. I've asked Nathan to come up. Nathan's gonna help. And also Andrew Cortis, who's hopefully still here somewhere. Let's give these guys a hand as they come to be volunteers here tonight. Um, Look, I was in the AM service this morning and Pastor Andrew had a, he had a tandem bike and he had chairs and everything and I sort of started to feel like I've got to do something here to illustrate what's going on in Galatians 3. So what we're going to do, these guys are going to help us. So um, I've asked these guys, I'm going to ask these guys to sit 900 mil, roughly maybe 800 mils above the floor, okay? They need to sit 900 mils above the floor. Um, Nathan's going to represent faith and Andrew's gonna represent the flesh, okay? So faith and spirit or flesh and law. So because Nathan's reliance upon a power other than himself, he gets to use the chair, but Andrew has to go it himself, okay? He's going unaided effort, no help, no reliance on anything. All right, so fellas, yes, so I should explain that. Andrew's known as the rig affectionately in young adults, so that's why I got him. And the, anyway, I won't, what happened at the 4.30 was he actually could do it, so this might be a bit of a fail, but anyway, all right, so... <laughs> so they're in sin at the moment, right? They're standing up and they need to have a changed heart. So they, they sit down. That's what, you know, figurative explanation. All right, so they're going to sit 900 mil above the floor, which is a changed heart. There we go. All right, so Nathan, faith, reliance upon the chair. Check how easy it is for him. Man, he, Nathan is just chilling. Like he, he doesn't even have his feet on the ground. And uh, Andrew, how are you going? <laughs> See, this is the problem. I shouldn't have got someone so strong. Uh, this is what Paul's driving at. So Andrew's meant to fail. He's meant to not be able to do this, obviously. It's very tiring for him. Thank you, Andrew. Good sport. <laughs> uh, this, is, this, is what, um, this is what Paul's driving at. I hope that gives you a bit of an illustration, flesh or faith in the spirit. Going at yourself or relying upon a power other than you to do something. Do you have faith? I want to ask you here tonight, whether you're a Christian or not, do you have faith that God could redeem and change your heart to be one that, that loves, that works well, that is holy, that does right? For our hearts to be healed, I want to speak particularly just for a moment to Christians. If you're a Christian here tonight, for your heart to be healed, we do not trust our own discipline we do not trust our emotions. We do not trust other people. We do not trust a church, our own determination or our will. We trust the power of God in us, the Holy Spirit, to have our hearts changed. If you're a Christian here tonight, you might be saying, well, what if I don't have this sort of faith? How might that faith come about? Uh, the Bible tells us how it comes about. It says we look to Jesus. 
The Bible says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to see if I can explain this. How did Nathan know to trust the chair? How, how did he know he could trust the chair? How did he know he could rely upon it? Uh, because he, he studied physics at school. He, he understands gravity. He understands, understands weight and matter and structure and, and um, physiology. He understands, um, he's seen people sit in these brand spanking new chairs before. He's confident, you know what I mean? That they're not old and broken. They're new. They're going to be able to hold him. Nathan builds confidence by, by doing this, by looking at, at things and and. And seeing other people do it, experience, so that he can put his trust in that chair to hold him 900 mil above the floor. Jesus authors and perfects our faith. If you do not have faith here tonight, that God can change your heart, you need to look to Jesus. You look to the power and the strength that he had in his life, and you know that once you trust it, that power becomes resident in you. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you if you're a Christian. If you have your faith and trust in Jesus, that power dwells in you. So if you don't have confidence here tonight, you need to look to Jesus and recognize that everything he was now is fullness in you. Everything he was, his heart, his love, his character is residing in you if we will access it by faith. So what does this look like practically just as we finish tonight? I want to get really, really practical. And uh, the way I want to do that is just to give you a story out of the Gospels, uh, looking to a place where we see someone who has faith in the Spirit and, and flesh, trust in themselves. This is a familiar story. Peter walking on the water, setting the scene. Jesus is up praying on a mountain by himself. He sends the disciples out on the boat, so he sends them. The water gets rough. Big, big waves, you know, big swell. Jesus comes down the mountain and he begins to walk on the water to the disciples. This is the scene, we're gonna pick it up. Matthew 14, 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, naturally, and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Let's have a look at how the faith how faith works firstly in Peter's life here. The first thing he does is he looks to Jesus. This progression I think will come up on the screen as well. This is the first thing he does. He looks at Jesus and realizes something is possible that he never thought was possible because Jesus is doing it. Did you ever think someone could walk on water? I didn't. Either did Peter, but he saw Jesus doing it. So he grows confidence like Nathan learnt about the chair grows confidence, looked at Jesus. Second thing, he receives the word of God. Jesus says to him, come Peter, walk on the water, come to me. Really important, the word of God. Step three, Peter knows he could never walk on water normally, like we all normally would think that, but he has faith in God that if God has called him, he can do it. Jesus has called him so he can do it. 
Fourth thing he does, on the basis of that faith, he takes action. James 2 says, faith without works is dead. If Peter stays in the boat, doesn't matter whether he had faith or not, irrelevant. Peter takes action and gets out of the boat, not trusting his ability to walk on the water. He knows he can't walk on the water. He's never been able to walk on the water before. Trust God's somehow going to empower him to do it. And finally, he walks on water. Bizarre, this actually happened. Peter walks on the water. He does something he never could do by himself, never. Then for a moment, Peter looks at the wind and the waves and he thinks, there's no way I could be walking on water right now. Look at the wind, look at the waves. How, I, I can't do, how am I doing this? What, like, I can't do this. And he begins to sink because he's taking his eyes off God's empowering of him to be able to do it. He, he in that moment, goes to the flesh and he says, I'm gonna trust my, I, I, I've got to trust, how can I trust myself here? Impossible. Of course, that's true. He can't walk on the water by himself. We all know that. You can't walk on the water. This is what Paul's saying to the Galatians. He's saying, guys, what are you doing? You started looking at Jesus, receiving his power, and now you're doing it yourself. This is foolish. You're gonna sink. You're not gonna be able to change your heart. We as humans cannot redeem our own hearts. This is why Paul's so frustrated, but he says, he's taken the Galatians back to saying, but by the power of Christ who lives in you by his spirit, you can do all things. Paul says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, him in me. This doesn't mean we will always get it right. Peter didn't always get it right. There was a moment where he, he, he said, uh, he went back to the flesh. But we know that uh, anytime we put our eyes back on Jesus, he's gonna empower us. He just reaches out and he says, yeah, it's, I've got you. I've got you. So I wanna um, bring this maybe a, a little bit away from walking on water and to something maybe you're wrestling with. How about lust or pornography? First thing we do, same as Peter, we look to Jesus. We see that Jesus' heart was not one of lust, but one of agape love for every single person. He loved every person around him, including women, seeing them as God saw them, not as objects of desire, but as valuable with incredible worth. Second step, we receive the word of God. Maybe we, if we can get those steps back up on the screen, that'll be so helpful. Maybe we come to church and, uh, and we read scripture that says, in your hearts do not lust. And so the word of God comes to us and he challenges us and he says, yes. We, we say, yes, we recognize this. Jesus says, repent and follow me, do as I have done. So we receive the word of God. Next step is that we must intend to obey. If you hold on to your sin, um, God cannot work. We must first repent and say, I want to turn away from my sin. But then we say, I can't do this in my own strength. We recognize that. We say, there is no way I will ever be able to walk out of lust and pornography on my own. 
Thankfully, Christ, who had a wonderfully beautiful heart, indwells you. His, his spirit's in you. His power's in you. It's the third step. We have faith, and then we take action in faith. This is so key. Um, if we do nothing, I want to just hear this tonight. If you do nothing, it will be without God. Think of power steering as a good way of thinking it. If you don't turn the wheel, power steering is not going to kick in. It's when we turn the wheel, then the power steering kicks in. A power greater than what we have helps us in that moment. If we don't act at all, if we stay in the boat, nothing will happen. And so how do we act? Once we've received the word of God and had faith in God's power, how do we act? We make it a point of continual prayer. We confess it to someone asking for their help with accountability. We memorize scripture that speaks to this particular issue. Maybe 1 Corinthians 13, love is not self-seeking. And we seek to recognize the beauty of women or men as a holistic person created by God with inherent and unbounding value far beyond simply their sexuality. And we take that action trusting that God will change our hearts to one which is love, not lust. And then if we keep our eyes on Jesus and his work in us, our hearts will change over time as we take those steps of faith. There's no guilt if we slip up. We know that God's already accepted us. We know that we'll still face temptation. Jesus faced temptation. Temptation is not sin. And as we actually walk out of our sin into holy and righteous living as God does this in us, you know where the glory goes? To God. I loved what Sam said. She said, she said um, um, I have faith and this does not weaken my character. This transforms my character to the glory of God is what she said. Another issue maybe that you have in your life, the issue of fear. We look to Jesus and we see that his heart was one of complete abandonment and trust in the Father at all times. He had complete trust that the Father was looking out for him. No fear. My father, my dad, he's got me. This is his place. The world's his place. So that's how Jesus lived without fear. Next, we receive the call of God. God speaks to us in an area of fear in our lives, in our heart. So we receive the call of God and we say, yes, God, I want to walk out of fear. Fear is not a good thing in my life. And we desire to change, but then we must say, I cannot change this, God. I cannot change this circumstance. It is only by you living in me that I, my heart will ever change and move from fear to peace. So we acknowledge our faith and our confidence in him and then we take action in faith, setting out to do it, to walk out of fear, not trusting ourselves, but God. We make it a point of prayer. Again, it's always the first. It's always the first, pray. And then we confess to someone, this is an area of fear in my life. We ask for their help. We memorize scripture about his care for us that he, he enfolds us front, back, behind, beside. We seek to take a step out in that area that we are fearing. We seek to, to actually move out of that fear, trusting God, not ourselves. And then over time, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We find that we can do it. There is peace rather than fear. I just really think that God wants us to know tonight that this is possible. This is possible. So often we live def under the defeat of sin in our lives, so often, I've, I know that feeling. 
defeat of sin. This could never change. It can, not in our own power, the Holy Spirit in us. I actually believe, you know, even as we were singing that song, we're going to finish now, maybe the team want to come up. Even as we were singing that song before, I just really get a sense, and I've been thinking about this for, for quite a while, that, that if we want to see the power of God released in our lives and in this city, we must live by faith. We will never be able to manufacture some revival by ourselves. We cannot trust our our own ability to, to twist the arm of God into this. Only God has the power to change a heart. I mean, we've seen that here tonight. Only God has the power to save. And I really believe, I, I sensed as I was preparing this message that this is a real word for us as a church, that if we will move into greater um, dependence on the Spirit, we will see the power of God in our lives like never before. That was, that was the sense I got as we were worshiping before, that God wants to do so much more. Like, it's not that we don't want Him to, maybe we've just been going about it in slightly the wrong way. I really believe that there's, there's power that God wants to unleash into our lives firstly and then into the lives of people who don't yet know Him. And so this is actually, um, we, we heard um, um, Heather talking about this. She said, she said, I'm not exactly sure where God's gonna take me, but I know the purposes and plans that He has for me are good. This is actually the good plans that God has for us. Did you know that? It's less about where you end up, like, like Heather might be in America, maybe she'll be here. And it's more about your heart being transformed. Not in our own strength, not to earn our Father's acceptance. We've already got it. I mean, we've been talking about that for the last two weeks, but to step into what He has brought us for. He bought you for a price so that He can change your heart. Did you know that? And so Paul says, I make every effort. I strive with everything that is within me to move into this newness of life that God has for me. The what now for Christianity is to let God change your heart. That's the what now. And to strive in faith to see that come about. To live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Just finish with this passage out of 2 Thessalonians 1.11. This was Paul's prayer pretty much for every church. If you go through the letters, this is pretty much, he, he prays the same thing for every single one of them. This is what he prays. For the Thessalonians, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. He's reconciled you to Himself. Do you know that tonight? Maybe, maybe you haven't received that reconciliation. It's available tonight not because of anything you can do, because of what Christ has done. That our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith. How? By His power. His power. He's, he's got unlimited power. I want to tell you that. He's the God of the unlimited 
so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. That's what Sam said. She said, my character might be transformed so that Jesus would be glorified in me and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so are we hungry for that church? Are we hungry to be made righteous, to be holy as our God is holy? This is what He's called us for. Tonight, I believe He really wants to do something afresh. And the response is, if you're not a Christian, you first have to be reconciled. You have to receive the atoning work of Jesus Christ to bring you to God so that you can change. And there's an opportunity to do that tonight if you've never done that before. But if you're a Christian already, the response tonight is is to say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Come and fill me up the power of the living God, the creator God, come and recreate me. Come and recreate my heart so that I may walk in all that you have prepared for me. The good works planned before the beginning of time. So church, we're gonna respond in that way tonight. I'm gonna respond in that way because I tell you what, I need the power of God in my life. I really do. I mean, I've been praying this all weekend. God, just empower me to do what you... How I was always created to live. And so if that's your heart tonight, I just want to invite you to come forward. If we've got people that can pray for you there, that's great. But, but just make that response of your heart before God tonight. Maybe we should all do that tonight. Maybe we should. Let's pray. Great and mighty God, even tonight, you know, like my words are so feeble. They're very, very inadequate. They're human, powerless words. But as you, the Creator, come and breathe through them, you speak to us. You speak. And I just, I so sense, Lord, even after those baptisms and in the worship, you want to pour out your Spirit powerfully tonight, in abundance, in fact. Maybe there's people bound up this very night, bound up in sin, and and you've bought freedom. You've bought freedom. Through your reconciling work, Christ, we say thank you for counting the cost for us, getting us access into this grace that we now stand so that our hearts may be redeemed and transformed. Thank you, Christ, for the courage that you displayed. Oh, amazing courage. Amazing fortitude and resolve to always do the will of the Father so that we might have access to this, to your power in us. And so, Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us, Your people, tonight. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh tonight that we would not rely on our own confidence, on our own strength, on our own effort, but we would rely on the power of God that is at work in us unto salvation, unto sanctification. Come and change us, God. Come and speak. We are Your people. We worship You in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond together. You know, God never intended us to do the journey of life alone. That was never His plan from the beginning. He wanted us to know Him, His life, His power living within us. If you're here tonight, you just find the journey of life too hard. Just thinking, man, I can't live this life. That is because there is a God who loves you, who's calling you to Himself, and He longs for you to know this power, this life, this hope within your life.
It's the good news of the message of gospel. If you're here tonight and you want to know more about that, we have these Bible gift packs. We love to give them away. They're at the info desk. They'll be down the front. If you came with someone, just say, I want to know more. I want to find out. I want to experience that life. I want to ask some questions. We heard that tonight. Just ask questions. Find out more. Grab one of these packs, some information there, a Bible. Um, We'd love to help you on that journey. We really would. And I want to pray. Ask God to bless us tonight as we close our service. Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for this good news, great God. We don't have to do it alone, but you have promised. If we will turn to you, great God, if we will come to you in repentance and faith, you promise to to give us life by your Spirit, to dwell within us, to lead us, to guide us, because you long, as the one who made us and created us, you long for us to experience the fullness of life in us, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring hope. And so I pray that for each and every person here, great God, you would bless them wherever they are on the journey, Lord, the journey of life, the journey of faith. I pray that they would leave here tonight knowing there is a God who loves them, who cares about them, who knows every detail and longs to draw near, Lord. And so I pray you reveal that to them by your spirit tonight, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Why don't we put our hands together? What an amazing night it's been. Praise God. The stories tonight, the message. You can grab a seat. If you haven't yet been prayed for, we'd love to pray for you down down the front. Don't forget to our welcome lounge, just up the back corner there. Head there afterwards. We'd love to introduce you to others, get to know you as well. God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us.